Turn with me to two portions of Scripture again. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 for our first reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, please, for our first reading. Verse 23 says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, he also took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is a new testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Our second reading is in Matthew's Gospel 26, please. Matthew's Gospel chapter 26. And we'll just read a few verses from verse 26, please, as well. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Notice, his blood only for the remission of sin. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of the fruit, this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your, your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. We thank you for your spirit. Father, we ask you that you would now shut each and every one of us in with your own good self. Speak to us in our own individual way and capacity. And Lord, already we're conscious that there's a settling in the house of God. Conscious there's a settling of your spirit to speak, to help, to comfort. We ask you, Lord, that you would minister to everyone and glorify the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. For his name's sake we ask it, for his glory. Amen. We did do part one of this last week, but we are going to just give you a brief recap, and then we're going to go into our second part. This is entitled, The Same Night in Which He Was Betrayed. That is, the same night, the, the events, the happenings, the same night in which the Lord Jesus was betrayed by Judas Iscariot. And they're in a, furnished, a large furnished upper room. And as they're in this large furnished upper room, he breaks bread. But there were so many things that's happened. 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul, he tells us of things that happened in that night. He, he gives us more of a commentary of revelation of the breaking of bread in 1 Corinthians 11. In Matthew Gospel 26 and verses 26 to 30, Matthew encapsulates what happened also at that time and other things that happened in the room that night, in the same night in which he was, the Lord Jesus, was betrayed. And then we looked at mostly in John's gospel last week, in John's gospel from chapter 13 right through to chapter 18, we see John opens up what happened in that room throughout all of those chapters and what Christ was promising 
to those who would trust in him, to those who would follow him, to those that would love him and serve him. Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, mentions it again. Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, also gives us an account. So I'm trying to piece it together with snapshots as best I can what happened the same night in which he was betrayed. Isn't it amazing? Is it not astounding that the Holy Spirit, who has influenced the pen of Paul, who has influenced the pen of the gospel writers, has mentioned this as the betrayal of Judas Iscariot, betraying the Lord Jesus Christ, was so, if you want, important. It was so infamous that the Holy Spirit is looking upon the Son of God and he's looking at the Son of God, the Lord Jesus. And as it were, he's given us this vision and this view of the beauty of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. In this room with these disciples, 12 of them, and he says, "One of you, I've picked 12 of you, and one of you is a devil, speaking of Judas Iscariot. Remember in John chapter 13 and verse 2, how it says the devil put into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him, to betray Christ. Notice, the devil needed to do the work. He didn't leave it to an evil spirit. He didn't leave it to one of his cohort demons. The devil himself, Satan knew it was too big and too great a job, for he wanted to make sure the Son of God was done away with. He wanted to make sure that you weren't saved. He wanted to make sure that he was taken off the scene. And so the devil, Satan himself, says, this job is only uh, big enough for me. I have to do it myself. There's a great spiritual warfare and battle. On the same night in which the Lord was betrayed, the same night he's around breaking bread, the same night he's at the table, Jesus is there, yet the devil was there. Isn't that amazing? We looked at that last week at how the devil can speak to people in a meeting, even though the Holy Spirit is speaking to people in a meeting. The Holy Spirit may be speaking to one of you tonight and he's saying, you know, I'm with you, I'm for you, I'm not against you, I'm going to help you, I'm going to bless you, I'll comfort you. And he's, he's speaking good things and lovely things to you, maybe even convicting things. The Holy Spirit's maybe even saying, you know, you're not saved, you know, you're not right, you're not blood-washed, you know, you're not going to heaven. And all of these things, the Holy Spirit is saying it, that you would see your need of Christ. And because of that, then, you say, Lord, I need you in my life. I'm a sinner. I need to trust in you for my salvation. And so the Holy Spirit speaks in a meeting, just like Jesus was in that meeting. But also, the devil was there. And the devil will say, don't listen to the preacher. Don't listen to the gospel. Leave it for another time. You have plenty of time. Don't do anything about it now. Oh, you're finished. You're too late. God's forgotten you. Listen, if you're listening to my voice, don't listen to the man. Listen to the word of God. Even tonight, the voice of God will speak and let the voice of the Spirit be louder than the voice of Satan. Here we have Satan. The devil puts it into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. That night, we're told that the Lord Jesus, he washes the disciples' feet. Now, notice this. This is when he's going to go to the cross. He's going to die within 12 hours. He's going to be nailed to the tree within 12 hours and die. He's going to be whipped. He's going to be scorned. He's going to be beaten and battered and bruised. And he knows all of this, but yet he's the Lamb of God that must be slain for our salvation and our redemption. And whenever he's in this room, 
what we find is that he gets up like a servant, and it was a servant's job, as I said, and he girds himself with a towel, and he washes the disciples' feet, even old Judas Iscariot. Then he says, one of you will betray me, and they ask, Lord, which one is it? Is it I? Not knowing our own hearts. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart and I try the reins, he says. And even us, we don't know our own hearts at times. Our own hearts deceive us. Our own minds deceive us. Our own thoughts deceive us. But God knows the heart and God knows the mind and God knows the motive and God knows the thoughts. and God knows everything about us, every step we take, every path we have walked. And God knows it. He says, I know your heart even in the silence. I know the coverings. I know the dark times. And they're saying, is it I? But he dips the sop and gives it to Judas Iscariot. So he has washed their feet. Now he, he shows the betrayer. We looked at how Peter also, and he'll read it even further after this, that Peter says, Lord, I'm going to go with you to prison unto death. And yet that night he says, Judas Iscariot will betray me. Peter, you will deny me. And the cock will crow three times. Peter's going, not me. I'm big, brave, bold Peter. I'm the fisherman. I'm the big man who, who, who's all gung-ho. Yet by that night, Christ was right, and he betrayed him three times. All happening in a room. Such a, there's so much that has happened this night, and we tend to think, well, he broke bread and he went out, and, and that was the end of it. There was so much more that had happened. In, in Luke 22, we looked at that high. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you. They may sift you as we, but I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, you'll strengthen your brethren. And he says, Simon, you're going to come through something, but when you come through it, it's to build you, fortify you. You're being sifted as wheat. You're not being cast away. And I'm praying for you. And that's how we make our brothers and sisters through the prayers of Christ. Here we see that he doesn't pray for Judas. But he prays for Peter. Isn't that strange? He knows the heart. He knows those who love him and know they that are his. And we looked at more into that, we haven't time, obviously, to go through it all. By the time we, we go further into the night, it says Satan enters into Judas Iscariot. First of all, he's speaking to him. And he listens to the devil so long, he leaves a big door open, and the devil steps right into him, and off he goes into the night to betray the Lord. The devil, Satan, enters into him. And then we're told that in John chapter 14, that the Lord once... Judas Iscariot goes out and the devil is out. In Judas Iscariot, he starts to open his heart and he speaks of him going away and coming back again and telling him not to worry that you believe in God, let not your heart be afraid. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that there you may be also. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's laying truth into them. And he's saying, I'm going to leave us tonight, boys. And fear is gripping their hearts and concern and worry. But he is our standard of righteousness and he is our power and he is our strength and he's our leader and he's our guide. And what will we do? But then the Lord in John chapter 15, 16 and then even into 17 bolsters them up and strengthens them. John 15, he teaches them to stay in the vine. He, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. He says, abide in me. 
You'll bear forth fruit, he says, and it's in me, he says, when you have a relationship with me. Look, this isn't a religion thing. This is a relationship. A relationship with the living God in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, when you have a relationship with me, I will be your power and I will be your strength for my spirit will abide in you. He speaks of the Holy Spirit coming in John chapter 15. He speaks in John chapter 16 as well of the Comforter coming, the Holy Ghost. Then in John chapter 17, he has the high priestly prayer in the same night in which he was betrayed. This all happened in the same night. And he, he says in John chapter 17, he starts to pray for the disciples, building them up. I'm going to go away, but when I go away, I'll not leave you. You know, people will say, how can you be a Christian? I, I always used to think when I was in my sin and what, the things I got up to, how could I ever be a Christian anyway? Sure, I couldn't keep it, and I couldn't do this, and I couldn't do that, and I'm too fond of the drink, and I'm too fond of... I couldn't be a Christian, you know You know something? I was right, I couldn't. But God saved me, Christ paid my debt, He filled me with His Spirit, and He keeps me every day. He changes me, He changes you, He changes our desires. And this is what the Lord is saying. He starts praying an intercessory prayer for these disciples. John chapter 17. Notice the tones we looked at of the prayer. Verse 1, he says, Father. Now, this is important. In this room, the same night in which Judas Iscariot would betray him, in the same night whenever he would be arrested, in the same night when he would be beaten, in the same night when he would be taken from the Garden of Gethsemane, in the same night, the exact and very same night, when Peter would deny him, the disciples would run and leave him, he starts to pray for them, and he starts to worship his Father. Notice, Father, the hour has come. The hour from eternity past, which you have set in place, he says, this is it. 33 and a half years of age, but eternal to his deity. And he says, that which you have put in place from before the very foundation of the world, the hour is come, Father, and all rests upon me. Father, the hour has come. John 17 and 5. Notice he goes from father to and now, oh father. He starts to feel the very stress of it. The pressure of it. And now, oh father. And by verse 25 of John 17, he's praying, oh righteous father. Notice father. Oh father. Oh righteous father. Starting to feel it. You see, the Lord Jesus was a man. He was a human being like you and I. He felt everything. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And he's praying to his Father for help and strength for the time that would lie ahead of him. Judas Iscariot would betray him. Matthew 26 and verse 30. Notice what it says after he has broken bread. And he drinks a cup, he breaks the bread, and he says, this will remind you when he breaks the bread of my body on the cross. When they drink the little cup of wine, he says, take this cup of wine and take that drink of it. He says, not remind you the redness of my precious shed blood that you would have remission of sin, that your sins would be washed and cleansed. In Matthew 26 and verse 30, notice what it says, and when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. I want to spend a few moments on this hymn. And the, if you can 
Think of what's happening here. The Son of God. He did no sin. He knew not sin. He was yet without sin. Spotless, impeccable, pure, holy, righteous. And here he is waiting to go to be beaten and put to death. He starts to sing. He starts to praise. The hymn that he has sang is known as the great Hallel or the great Hallelujah. When you hear people say, I've told you this before as a congregation, Hallelujah, you know what they're really saying? Hallel and Hallelujah and Yah at the end, or Jah it should be. It means Hallel is praise. Jah or Yah. Praise Jehovah. Praise Yahweh. He's praising his Father. And he starts to sing, and they, this hymn would have been sang when David was going up to be ascending into the throne of the kingdom. When Israel was a united kingdom and David was being ascended up to be anointed king on that royal throne of God. The throne of Jehovah. And they would have sang it in the great temple. The whole of Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. Will you turn with me to Psalm 113 and... We're just going to pick through a couple of verses to give us an idea of what they were singing and praising on that night. Imagine the Lord Jesus. Can you see him? Can you see him sitting there starting to lead praise and worship? It's quite possible there was a, 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 a harp here or maybe a lair, you know, the, the stringed instruments, because that's what these were usually sang with. Can you see him sitting there, there and starting to praise his father when one's away to betray him and another one's going to deny him and they smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. They're all going to leave him. All of them. He's done nothing but bless them. So he starts to praise his father. Psalm 113 verse 1. Notice this. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Can you see Christ sitting there? Can you see him, as it were, with a sanctified imagination, if I can put it like that? And he's sitting with these men and they're, they're not fully understanding. Even some of them are arguing, who's going to be the greatest when he goes? Vying for position when the strain of Calvary was on his face. When the strain of the cross was before him. And these men could think of us, what will happen to me? Oh, such is the human nature. Such is the human heart without divine unction. We always think of ourselves. He's there and he just starts to praise his father. In the midst of this adversity, Praise ye the Lord, he says. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. The Lord's name is to be praised. The word Lord there is Yah or Jehovah or Yahweh would be the better translation. His Father's name is Yahweh or Jehovah. And he's going, praise Jehovah or praise Yah. Praise the Lord. These men, can you see them? He's starting to sing. This was Passover time. 
when the lambs were being slain out in the temple, they're being prepared and there'd be blood everywhere of these little lambs and they'd cut their throat and they'd put the blood all over the altars and it'd be streaming out of the place and the priest would be covered in that blood. And he's sitting here singing, praise the Lord. He's talking about going and what he's going to go through and he's still praising God. Oh, blessed Savior that he is. Blessed Christ that he is. He leads the worship. See the words here. Notice what he says. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth. Passover night. He says, he takes it again back to Israel coming out of Egypt. And the Lord had done, had sent nine plagues, nine judgments into Egypt. And they wouldn't, uh, Pharaoh would not let Israel go. And the tenth one was the firstborn of every animal and every person would be slain. And we're told that the Lord says, take the blood of the lamb. Notice the blood of a lamb. Put it on the doorpost and the door lintels of the house. And notice he says, this night I'm passing through Egypt. I'm passing through in judgment. The firstborn of everything will be killed. He says, I'm passing through, the Lord says. This night I'm passing through Egypt. Notice, but when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And everyone who had the blood applied to their home God seen the blood and there was no death came. There was no judgment came. So Passover was him passing over because he would see the blood. This is Passover night. They're preparing the animals. Here's something I've written down. The greatest victory ever to come to planet Earth was about to take place out of what seemed to be the greatest defeat to ever take place. I want you to get it into your minds now. The greatest victory to ever come to planet Earth was about to take place out of what seemed to be the greatest defeat to ever take place. Christ on the cross, every devil, the one that entered into Judas Iscariot, every demon and foul spirit of hell, every fallen being, as it were, would look and see the Son of God hang him on a cross and hanging and bleeding and dying, and think he's gone, he's defeated. Yet it was a great victory. It was the greatest victory that planet Earth had ever, ever seen, and ever could see again. The only thing that can come close to it is the second coming of Christ to set up his glorious kingdom in power and glory. So here we see this tragic-looking time bringing out great victory. Trial, disappointment, disillusionment, Pain, suffering, hardship, fear, anxiety, mourning, worry, evil, and stress of life should never stop us praising the Lord. Here he is with everything coming upon him, and he starts to praise God. How hard is it when our hearts are sore? How hard is it when our hearts are weary? How hard is it when we're feeling tired and we have so many questions? I've had them, you'll have them. Lord, why? Why this and why that? How hard is it to even find your way to where God would be? Christ, looking at his own death, starts to praise his Father. You see, his full trust was in his God and his Father. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is mentioned three times, by the way, in the New Testament, that exact term. And he's starting to praise with Calvary looming before him. 
He says, blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth on forevermore. He's telling the disciples, he's setting an example. He's going, don't stop praising, don't stop trusting, don't stop following, don't stop believing. When you see what takes place within the next 12 hours, boys, he says, it might seem a great defeat, but what your eyes are seeing is the greatest victory ever to happen to this globe. Ever to happen to come to planet earth, he says, it is not a defeat, it's my victory when I die on the cross. I know whenever I think of Pope Benedict when he was in the United States having his tour and he stands with millions watching him around the world. He says, Christ, he says, failed at the cross. This wasn't a failure. This was a victory. It was victory in the cross. If Christ had not died, I would be lost and in my sin. And so would you. There's no other means, method, nor remedy for a man and a woman to be saved. He's saying, boys, just keep trusting. When you can't praise, he says, lay your hope and all you have on God. Friend, I'll say this, and your maybe hearts in your boots. You can't find your way through. No matter how you're feeling, lay your all on God. Lay everything you have in him. He says, from the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Remember, the same night in which he was betrayed, Jesus is singing this. The, names, the Lord's name is to be praised. The, the Jewish temple sacrifices, there were two main sacrifices there, and it was on the third hour and on the ninth hour. The third hour and the ninth hour. Now, generally, it's thought that the Jewish day started at 6 a.m. and the Jewish day finished at 6 p.m. The third hour was 9 o'clock in the morning our time and the ninth hour was 3 o'clock in the afternoon our time. So 3 o'clock and 9 o'clock in our time. There were two sacrifices made, two oblations and sacrifices were made at those two times in the temple. And the Lord Jesus starts to say, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Now notice this. In Mark's gospel, chapter 15 and verse 1, it speaks the morning of his arrest. After he leaves this room, he goes to Gethsemane. When he leaves Gethsemane, he's arrested there and he's taken to Alice and Cephas' house and he's taken to Pilate, to Herod, to Pilate, and then he's taken and crucified throughout that night. And notice what happens here. If you read Mark 15 and verse 1, it says, talks of the, the, the chief priests and the elders get together to see how they could destroy Jesus. The rising of the sun. By Mark's gospel, chapter 15 and verse 25, it says, and it was the third hour. Take note, the third hour, which is our 9 a.m. And at the third hour, they crucified him. Notice what Jesus is singing from the rising of the sun when men are out to get you. From the rising of the sun when others are gathering together against you. From the rising of the sun, he says, to the going down of the sea the Lord's name is to be praised. 9 a.m. in the morning, he's hung on the cross. And he says, boys, keep singing. 
Keep believing. Keep trusting. No matter what you see, no matter how bleak it looks, no matter how dire the situations are, he says, keep praising your Father. Keep worshiping. Keep believing. Keep going on. Brother, do you hear that? Keep going on, sister. Keep going on with God. Your greatest seemingly defeat may be your corridor to your greatest ever victory. He says, in the rising of the sun, you'll see me arrested, beaten, whipped, and you'll see me crucified. Keep praising your Father. But Lord, I can't we? He says, keep praising. To the going down of the sea in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, verse 46 says, in about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, And then in verse 50 it says, he yielded up the ghost. He gave up the ghost. He says, no man taketh my life from me. I have the power to lay down my life. I have the power to take it again. He voluntarily, when every debt and sin was paid, he voluntarily went into the realms of the dead. What a great captain. What a great victor. About the ninth hour, he cried with a loud voice. And verse 50, he yielded up the ghost. Matthew 27, verse 57. You can read it all in the 58. It says, when even was come, or the evening, the going down of the sun, the going down of the same. When even was come, Joseph of Arimathea goes and begs the body of Jesus. So now you see him sitting there from the rising of the sun. By the time the sun rises, boys, I'm going to be arrested and beaten. I'm going to be whipped. I'm going to have flesh hanging from me. I'm not trying to be gruesome, but it was. Many a man died at the flagellum whip of the Roman whipping post with bone and with bits of short bone and lead in the, the, as it were, like a cat of nine tails. And when it went into the back and they pulled it, they knew how to pull it to rip through the flesh and many a kidney fell out. Their innards were seen And Christ received these 39 lashes like this before the cross. His back was like a bloody pulp. And he says, boys, keep praising. Keep trusting God. Brother, sister, don't let anyone or anything mar your fellowship with Christ. Keep trusting him. And you know, there's many, and there's some in here, and including my own self, even recently, who, are, who have lost loved ones and who have been grievously hit sore and some may have been years ago and it's still raw and some even right up to just this past week. Let nothing put you off following the Savior. He says, keep praising at the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. The Lord's name is to be praised early in the morning in the rising of the sun. Go with me from Psalm 113 to Psalm 118 and look at all of those verses. Look at all of those verses. Psalm 118. I just want to pick out a, a verse or two to finish this. I'm not going to get into Gethsemane, I don't think, tonight. We'll maybe have to do that another night. But notice this. Psalm 118, just for time's sake, verse 20, 24. Let's go to 23. 
This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Think about this. In the same night in which he was betrayed, he sang this. Man, this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. But, but Jesus, you're going to go through so much. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day which the Lord hath made. From eternity past, the cross, the violence, the barbarity, the brutality, the wickedness of men, the torturing, the battering, the bruising, the beating, the belittling, the pain, the shame, the suffering, the sorrow, the reeds beaten with reeds, the crown of thorns driven into his brow, the whipping post, the cross of wood, the hammer, the nails, the mocking, the shouting, the scorning, the hate, the evil, the rejection, the nakedness, yes, stripped naked and hang, hung up on a cross for all to see, the spear in his side. And he says, boys, we're to praise the Lord from this time forth, even forever, even through it, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. The Lord's name is to be praised. He says, this is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it, he says. Does this not seem so fantastically unbelievable that someone would have the courage to even think like this? That Christ in all his wisdom and glory but in his humanity would sing it before going to Gethsemane. Oh, Adam, Father Adam brought in a day of sorrow, didn't he, when he fell and sinned in the garden? Christ, no. Christ brought in a day of redemption when he hung on the cross. This day was marked in heaven, known and decreed from before the foundation of the world, before there was a sinner on the earth, there was a Savior in heaven. The patriarchs waited for it. The prophets, the prophets told of it. Israel looked for it and the devil tried to thwart it, but Christ performed, perfected, and accomplished it. He says, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, and, and many of us would say, I remember sometimes you had walked into a, a, a meeting or something happened and you'd have said, oh, what a day. And some people would have said, oh, this is the day that the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad on it. Or even if it's raining, I'd say, oh, it's a horrible day. And I've said it myself. This is the day which the Lord has made. We, we will rejoice and be glad on it. And although God makes every single day, this was the day that the Lord has made for you and I for redemption. This was the day that his son would bleed and die. This was the day when he would take the pain, the shame, and the suffering. This was the day from eternity past, now going right through all of those years of the Old Testament, right to this very hour and this very moment. This is the day. Father, the hour has come. Oh, now, Father. Oh, righteous Father, he says. He's praying for strength. This is the day. Boys, it's upon me. The hour, the day is here. Now let's praise the Lord. The Lord Jesus, as he sings a prophetic word, he says, rejoice and be glad in it. What is about to take place 
is the center of heaven's will and of earth's hope. I want to say it again. What is about to take place is the center of heaven's will and of earth's hope. Where eternity invades time, where life enters death, that death will be swallowed up of life. Christ entered the enemy's camp, went right into the devil's backyard, bound the strong man, spoiled his goods, kicked in his doors, tore asunder the bars, took away the keys of death and hell from him, set the captives free, and arose victorious over it all. He spoiled the principalities and powers, and he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. That's what he did. That was the plan. That he would bear your sin and shame and suffering and sickness and might. That if you trust in him, you will be with him in heaven. Is that not marvelous? Is that not fantastic? And it took this, it took this for you and I to be saved. Nothing else will do, friend. Nothing else will count. He said, Israel, put the blood of the lamb on the door, potion on the door lentils. I'm passing through Egypt this night. But when I see the blood, I will pass over you in judgment. I'll pass over you through the blood. I'll pass over you. Be under the blood or you're under judgment. If you're not under the blood, he says, I'm coming this night. But when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Here the blood of Jesus is shed on the cross of Calvary. And when you and I trust it by faith and following Christ at the day of judgment when he saves us and we stand before him, he says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And when he sees the blood of the Lamb, brother, sister, the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, only the blood, he says, I'll pass over. Don't come with your actions and don't come with your works and don't come with your denominations. Don't come with anyone or anything else trusting only in Christ and his precious blood. Notice this to finish. It just came to my mind and I thought I'd read it to you. Psalm 118 Verse 25, save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. (laughs) See, today, the the prosperity gospel is all about money. Christ wasn't talking about money. Christ was talking about salvation. Christ is talking about the blessing of the Spirit. Christ is talking about forgiveness of sins and justification with the Father. Such prosperity that a man and a woman can enter the kingdom of God and be with him forever and sit upon the throne ruling and reigning with Christ. That's prosperity, brothers and sisters. I'd rather live on this earth and I'd rather live in this time poor as poor can be and to be rich in glory than have the riches here and not be in glory. He says, send prosperity. Notice what he says here. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord which hath showed us light. Notice this. Bind the sacrifice with cords, 
even onto the horns of the altar. Do you know what he's saying? He is now saying, see as they took the animal, they took it by its four legs, and they took cords and they bound it to what was known as the altar, where there was four horns at the corner of the altar. And so the little animal was, 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 was tied like this, hand and, or front feet and, and rear feet. And he says, bind up with cords to the horns of the altar. And they went and they slit the throat of the animal. And the blood ran down. This was the old covenant. And Jesus was saying, I am the animal. Now bind me with cords, Father. They put nails in his hands. And they put nails in his feet. And they bound him to the altar of the cross. That you and I could be saved. Blood washed and blood bought. And on the road to glory. That's what it took for you and I to be saved and man and woman come with, oh, well, sure, I'm not a bad person. Oh, well, sure, I'm trusting. Oh, well, I go to church or even I go to Donna Elam. It matters not a row of beans. It's whether you're under the blood. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Make him your savior. Make him your king. Find the sacrifice. He is the sacrifice with cords even, to the horn of the altar. Notice what he says in the last two verses. Thou art my God and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy, his mercy endures forever. Five times in that last psalm, he mentions mercy. (laughs) Jesus, you're going to be, you're going to be crucified. Jesus, you're going to die. You're going to be so manhandled and mistreated that you're going to be almost unrecognizable. They'll even pull the very beard out of your face in their anger and in their malice. You're going to be a bloody mass and a bloody heap. You're talking about the mercy of God. see, There's a bigger picture. He gave himself that we would find mercy. You know what mercy is? When you do not get what you do deserve. When you do not get what you do deserve. Do you know what I deserved? Do you know what we all deserved? With Adam's genes from Adam's race. We deserve to be lost. We deserve to be cast out, cast aside and go on the hell on the broad road to destruction in our sin and our shame, to stand before God and be destitute of his presence forever and ever. Into a lake of fire, Revelation 20 tells us, into the lake of fire. That's what we deserve. That's what we deserve, and people don't like to hear that today. But that's what every man and woman deserves. A man you're listening to especially. He deserved it. Yet mercy find me and I find mercy. Because Christ went to the cross. And I didn't get what I deserve. I got mercy. I wonder will you get what you deserve or will you find mercy in Christ? Grace is when we get that which we do not deserve. When we get that which we do not deserve. You know what I got? I got forgiveness of sin. I got washed in the blood. I got made righteous in Christ. I got a passport, a ticket to heaven. 
That's what I got and I didn't deserve. What's grace? Oh, I pray you'll find grace and mercy in the person of Christ. May God bless you.